sometimes reading the book isn't enough. We want to be immersed in an idea or feeling. That's why at Book Interrupted, we've made a playlist for each book cycle. Visit www.bookinterrupted.com to find playlists for each book cycle and a member. Or check out our YouTube channel. What's on your playlist? Parental guidance is recommended because this episode has mature topics and strong language. Here are some moments you can look forward to during this episode of Book Interrupted. I don't know her at all. And now I'm jumping to a conclusion that she's suicidal. (laughs) Just because she's a poet. Okay, let's not. (laughs) I feel like they don't give the right amount of attention to those super important factors. I think he's on all the topics. He's just touching on a little bit of each topic. Where do we feel like going? We're going to do it everywhere. Needle in a haystack. Everybody's criminal. Yeah, that's right. He did say that like when we meet a stranger, we rely on stereotypes for better or for worse. Disrupted. Mind, body, and soul. Inspiration is with uh, And we're gonna talk it uh, out. On Book Interrupted. Welcome to Book Interrupted, a book club for busy people to connect and one that celebrates life's interruptions. If you'd like to join along, this book cycle is from February 14th to April 3rd. It's Sarah's book pick and we're reading Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. Something is very wrong, Gladwell argues, with the tools and strategies we use to make sense of the people we don't know. And because we don't know how to talk to strangers, we are inviting conflict and misunderstanding in ways that have profound effect on our lives and our world. Let's listen in to this episode's group discussion. So do we want to go around and say we recommend the book? I had two other things I kind of wanted to bring up about the book. Okay. Too bad. Really quick. <laughs> no, just joking. No, just go ahead. No, go. The suicide talk. First of all, all of his his information was old. Like he didn't have anything from 2000. I, it was all 60s, 70s, 80s data. And we do know that stopping suicide stops suicide. We know that now. Like there's a bunch of training out there that that's a, the whole training. The whole purpose of the training is like training people to be comfortable to say to someone, are you thinking about suicide? Because it's taboo, right? You're like, oh, they're so depressed, whatever. But nobody ever says like, are you thinking about killing yourself? Right? Like straight out in the face. Like it's, it's like we've been conditioned to not say that. That is known now. So I felt like for a book that's published, I think in 2019 or sometime. Yeah, 2019. Just looked that up. To have that data and that piece of this story too. I was like, this is not updated information. Like it is known that you can do that. So that was just one thing that I, I was like reading and I'm like, that's not actually right. So if you think someone's struggling, thinking about killing themselves, just say, or if they're depressed, just say, are you thinking about killing yourself? Any like changes in behavior, right? Yeah. That seem like you're concerned. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Because that's the whole training is based on that now is knowing that just interrupting the progression of I'm going to kill myself is effective in saving a ton of lives. I didn't know that. Thank it's you. Good to know. Okay. That's good to know. Do you also think that his point of 
making it more difficult for people to kill themselves. Yeah, I don't think he was saying, I don't, I don't even think that was his point. He was saying that people being successful in killing themselves was that is was his point any interruption Easy rather access. than making it a difficult thing to execute that they're less likely to kill themselves if it's more difficult that's like in the states you have handguns so it's easier to kill yourself whereas poisoning no i know yourself, you started off by saying like people gas. thought if people want to die they're just going to kill themselves anyway right like oh. he started like that was the mistaken belief a long time ago and then the gas got changed and so many people didn't kill themselves and they're like oh i guess mm. You know what I mean? Like take away the method and they're not going to do it. Right. Like, and the old mistaken belief was it doesn't matter what the method is. If someone wants to die, they're going to find out a way to do it. Right. That's not true. He did say yeah. that that's not true. Like that's all fine and good. It's all old information. Like it's old. Like people do know that now. Like he also made a statement being like, this is what people think. And it's like, no, they don't anymore. Because uh, everything people, you're talking about is from the 60s. I think some people, a lot of people do think that though. But again, we still don't talk about. I know, but I'm just saying like in science. Oh, in it's science. Like a lot of people don't think COVID exists, but COVID exists, right? So a lot of people don't think this about suicide, but we all know now that it's true because there's been research and studies about it. But the book isn't necessarily for scientists, right? He's doing it for the greater population. And I think a lot of people do think, well, if you're going to kill yourself, you just figure out a way. Like that's a, still a common belief i think amongst many people i think i thought that until i read this i don't know what i thought actually because it didn't occur to me to think about that but i think if you asked me i would have been like i don't know yeah i don't know i i guess i'd never thought about it and some people are like i also feel like the person that he was talking about was all obsessed with it anyways and she did end up killing herself what virginia but she what? put her head in the gas stove no. anyways Sylvia Platt. but i think she would Sylvia have Platt. anyway because she was like obsessed about it like that was part of her almost shtick i did right? find it interesting that poets have an unusually high suicide rate was like, yeah, i don't was... find that like i i find that i think it's interesting but i it makes sense to me i guess yeah well like, creative I, souls i so i learned that and then literally like right after that i had a client get a poetry related tattoo and i was like oh should i tell her because <laughs> <laughs> she writes poetry and i was like are you a poet did you, did I, you tell should her i tell her no kill i tell yourself it is. It is. i didn't but maybe i should check it but out. what kim's saying if you do say something she would be less likely to right if you yes. mention it hey right? well now i have to really cross an intimacy boundary here guys that's the problem <laughs> just right better yeah <laughs> yeah I don't know her at all. And now I'm jumping to a conclusion that she's suicidal. <laughs> Just because she's a poet. Okay, let's not. Yeah, <laughs> That's the default know. thing to a stereotype when you don't know anything about the stranger. I think I'm going to. That's true. You don't, and you're relying on the stereotype. And that yeah. makes society work and not work at the same time. Yeah, I think I'll uh, sleep on it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, what's the all second right. thing, Kim? Um, I felt like the um, chapter, all of the entire chapter for Sandra Bland was a little bit like the chapter for Brock Turner, where the like a, missing a bunch of important information. The fact that they figure out where the most crime happens, like that's based on faulty statistics. The information that they base that on is gathered by police. So what it reflects really is where the police action is, not where the crime is. So if, if you're profiling, right? You're going to go to that place where you know all the bad people live or whatever. And then when you report all the crimes that you 
processed there, it's going to look like that's where the crime is concentrated, but maybe that's where your attention is concentrated, right? Like that's a, an important variable to highlight in crime statistics, like that they're, they're not representative of what people think that they actually represent. And then there's a whole bunch of race stuff about that whole thing. It didn't take into account. I mean, I know he like barely mentions it. Like at the end of the book, when he was ending it, because it kind of ends on Sandra Bland too, I thought, okay, he's going to go there now because it was missing for me the whole time. And then he didn't really go there. And I just, I feel like it's important to state that I feel like there could have been more attention paid to both of those issues. And the read technique too, that whole like plan for like cops pulling people over and then like observing to see if they're telling the truth or not. The read technique is flawed. People use that in interrogation. Didn't he say that though? Yes. Yes. He does say that. No, I'm not saying he didn't say that, but I'm saying the fact that I'm just criticizing the police department now using a technique that produces false confessions and then using it in traffic stops. It's even less appropriate. You're looking for someone to be guilty, like a confirmation bias, right? Like, oh, these people are going to show me something. I just have to question them long enough. Oh, there it is. They're getting annoyed. And it's like, no, maybe they're annoyed because you're racist. And they have to deal with this every fucking time someone pulls them over or whatever. Like I just feel like there was a lot of things unsaid. Like the guy, he was saying the guy had played basketball in his car just to relax for a second. And then the cop gave him all these tickets. He lost his car. He, he couldn't afford. They ended up putting him in jail because he couldn't afford a ticket. All because he took a rest so at a basketball court. Yeah. His- so I don't think that Malcolm yes. Gladwell was wrong. I guess what my problem was is what he didn't give enough attention to that reality or something. But- Maybe it was just me, but I got the impression that he was saying this happened because of race. Like, yeah, yeah. Are you saying that you didn't think he was saying this was race related? I thought he was saying this is race related and here's all the reasons how that yeah. plays out. This is how the I race thought, You wanted a deeper thing. dive on some of these topics. I thought that he was like, I thought that the fact that race might, it might've been race related. Like, I don't even think he was confirmed, like saying that for sure. I think it was like a side note that he said, which is where I maybe was like, okay, now he's going to finally go there. I thought there was going to be like this great ending where it was all like, he did it again. Like he showed us in his backwards way and like questioned all the things that we thought and still showed us whatever. And I feel like he just didn't do that. And I don't feel like he gave enough weight to the influence that race actually had on that whole thing from the gathering of the statistics to the crime area, like the whole history of why that's how they operate and how it got to there. He did at one point kind of say like, um, you know, it's not good. Like he didn't say like he supported the whole thing, but I just don't think when he talked about it, he didn't spend enough breath on like the history of our culture and how racism is so um, insidious. Reading it, I was like, I feel like he's not saying a bunch of really important stuff. I don't know. I, I got, I got it like very much the, the race thing. For me, I don't know from what I read, but I agree. I think he's on all the topics. He's just touching on a little bit of each topic, right? He's talking about a little bit of alcohol effects, a little bit of race, a little bit of, you know, his, I don't know, all sorts of toxic stuff. Like mas- masculinity. And yeah. And like he doesn't go into yeah, detail yeah, yeah. about anything really. I know, but I so, feel like he was saying like, because the officer assumed that so-and-so was transparent, that's not what the officer was doing. 
right? Mm-hmm. The officer wasn't, you know what I mean? It's not supporting the, the, this is not a good example of transparency and how this officer assumed that this irritated yeah. person he was pulling over is now a problem. He doesn't include the massive veil that race and power relations and all of that stuff impacts that in exchange, right? He just says it's mm-hmm. about transparency. And I feel like that relieves the officer of responsibility, right? Like, oh, he was just being a human and, and assuming transparency like we all tend to do. When I was reading it, that's where I feel like it was missing because he's trying to support these things that aren't about race, right? And then... By doing so, I don't think he does justice to the impact that race and or gender, depending on which chapter we're talking about, have on those things. That's what my thing is. I don't think that Gladwell's wrong or like pushing an incorrect argument or a flaw. You know what I mean? I just the way that that book happened or maybe the examples that he chose, I feel like they don't give the right amount of attention to those super important factors. And that's kind of where it made me a little bit like. Like, I liked the book. Like, I'll recommend it when we get to saying that or whatever. But those things, like, that was missing for me. And it felt wrong for it to be so absent. It felt like whitewashed or something. He didn't, it didn't cross his mind to be like, maybe just three sentences to be like, don't get me wrong. Race is major. But in the interest of my argument about transparency, I'm going to use this example and not really include how much race and the history of racism has to do with this interaction or whatever. Like, that's how I felt. He did say that when we meet a stranger, we rely on stereotypes for better or for worse. And for me, I thought it was clear that he was talking about like this happened because of, you know, racism, right? And here's all the other, this is how it plays out in this way. So so maybe be like, well, I wasn't being racist, but I know that this person is going to act like this because of this or whatever. And my past experience where this would have been something playing out over and over One of the things that you were saying, Kim, about the police, it was just one of the starred notes of this research, and it was actually made, I think it was in Ireland, yeah, Northern Ireland. They said that they surveyed all the police officers to say where the highest crime areas in where they work, and 97% of the people of the police officers did not get where the highest percent of crime is. 97%. So the crimes that were actually happening in their territory was not where they thought was the worst place where they need to be focusing their energy. So Hmm. I think he's trying to prove that the police don't actually know it needs to be based on actual, uh, someone actually got shot there or someone actually, you know what I mean? So they're saying that police officers don't know. Yeah, my only point is like, you'll see it where you look for it. Right. So if you are going on stereotypes and you think that this impoverished neighborhood is where more crime is going to be, you're going to find it there. But if you don't go and check that college neighborhood where all the white kids are doing coke in their dorms, you're not going to catch them. And then there's going to be, you know, 80 percent black people in jail. And you know what I mean? Like that's how the overrepresentation happens. Right. Yes. But at the same time, he's also saying even in that spectrum of them being like, this is where the bad neighborhood is. That neighborhood is even isn't even bad. I know. Or I get what you're saying. Targeting. It's I know. Like a vast amount of lack of knowledge. Like, <laughs> lack total. of knowledge on the police. Yeah. Yes. yes. I mean, it's just and it was so crazy to see how it unfolded yeah. too. Like from the very beginning. And then like, we're all going to do it this way. And I also think it's important to note that it was misapplied. Yeah. Right? And then they're they're like, what if you do it in this one location? It's super good. And then like, we're just going to do it everywhere. 
And then that's how you get to profiling. Everywhere. You know? Wherever yeah. we feel like going, we're going to yeah. do it everywhere. Needle on the haystack, everybody's criminal. Yeah, that's annoying. Right. It's annoying when you like learn something and then up, misapply it. So it's almost like you unlearned it, but you think that yeah, you've learned it. So you're like, but I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> now you just think you know, and you don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Ooh. right. We're good? No, we we're have recommendations. Recommend. Could you recommend the book? I recommend the book. I think it was really good. I thought it was very interesting. It held my attention. I just would like to flag the things I already flagged for any reader. And that is all. All right. I, I recommend the book. I thought it was really great. I learned a ton of things. Uh, it kept my attention. Yeah, I do feel like with Kim, there's some lacking things and some of the chapters don't quite fit into the overall thesis of it, but it was entertaining. And I actually am really, you guys all said about his, his other books. So I'm excited to read some of Malcolm Gladwell's other books. They're better than this one. I feel Great. like, yeah. <laughs> like I, I almost Excellent. felt like he was like, he's got this shtick, right? He did it once and then he did it again and then he did it again. So now it's like, he has to do it again. It almost like, I wondered mm. if there was like some pressure to do the same, cause it was magical the first couple times, right? It was really cool. I feel like we should have a definition for a recommendation because it seems like lots of times when we do this part, we're two options, recommend or don't recommend, but there should be a middle one that's like recommend with disclaimer. Mm. <laughs> that's where I yeah. am. I'm an RWD. Yeah. I like it. RWD. <laughs> wow. RWD. I think we just invented it because there's a lot, like along the way, there's been a lot of books that it's like, I would recommend to this person, but not to that person. Right. Yeah. Isn't that most books though? There's like yes. some just like, I can't recommend this to whatever, whatever friend. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's some books where I'm like, tell everybody you have to read it. <laughs> I know that's a, that's a can of worms there, Mayor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a can of worms. Yeah. I think that because we're recommending it to unknown humans, I think that's, uh, yeah. With this In general. Yeah. In general, I would recommend it. I can't speak to the paper copy because I honestly maybe got five pages in and then started listening to it. And I was like, Oh, this is good. It's borderline <laughs> addictive to listen to. He is such a good podcaster and clearly a good writer. And it was kept my attention and was very thought provoking and no disclaimer. I would recommend it. At least the audio version. I'd recommend the book. I liked it. It was uh, interesting and thought-provoking. And I don't know. I think I read it pretty quickly. It was good. It's Malcolm Gladwell. How can you go wrong? It's yeah, interesting. I your definition of part of definition of being good is that you read it quickly. I thought that too. I was like, okay. It yeah. totally is. Yeah. yeah. It's like, cause you need to get more information. I have more. to get more. <sighs> yeah. I, there busy. are books that I have read slowly, but for different reasons. Some books you just have to sit in and like enjoy slowly. I don't know. Oh. But when it's a book like this, a nonfiction that's like this, if I'm engaged and I want to know more, then I'll read it really quickly and I will forego sleep because I'll just stay up and be like, just one more chapter. Um, oh, good. Yeah. So okay. it's usually a pretty good gauge. Good. So I recommend the book. I love Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> yeah. I love mm -hmm. his books. I love the formula he does. I was saying in this in my book report that I recommend the book and then I try to tell people about the book. It's like you just pick little stories that he does and you don't do them justice. And they're like, what is it about? And you're like, well, <laughs> what is it about? Like Read it. Everyone doesn't, you know, we default the truth and they're like, 
okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, just read the book. So I feel like that with every Malcolm Gladwell book that I've ever recommended to anyone. I'm always, there's a story here about hockey players, or there's a story about <laughs> if you're married or something like, and you do something when you're newlywed and it's never really very clear. But anyway, I really like the book. I like how he always makes me think something completely different than I ever thought of something that I think is just a normal thing. So I like it. And I, yeah, I don't have disclaimers of the book either. I would recommend it to, I think most people. I really like it. It was for me too, a quick read. Like you just want to read the next chapter to see what else he's going to say that proves his case, right? So. Uh, what would you say is your favorite Malcolm Gladwell book? So that my next one, when I, when I pick one up, what's the best one? Blank for me. Yeah. I have that, someone lent that to me. So I'm going to read it soon. Yeah, Blink is my favorite. Uh, Tipping Point was my first book and it was amazing. I really like Tipping Point too. A lot of people in business were reading Tipping Point. Like it was going around the business world. Everyone was like, have you read this book? So that's how I got into Malcolm Gladwell because in business world, everyone was giving the Tipping Point book. But then I got hooked on just the way he writes and the conclusions he comes to. And Blink was totally different from Tipping Point. Completely different. And Outliners, the same formula, but different pieces, right? Yeah, different points he's making. Yeah, I haven't read, uh, has anyone read um, the dog David one. and Goliath? No, I have it, but I haven't read it yet. And there's yeah, one uh, dog, it's got dog in the title. Oh, right. I haven't what, read that one either. Like what the dog saw or what, when the robin saw the dog? The dog? <laughs> what did the robin tell the dog? What did that robin tell that dog? <laughs> I wonder if it's in here. Hold on, let me see if it says what other books he's written. Probably. I'm sure it's in here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What the dog saw. Oh. What the robin knows, what the dog saw. Dog saw. <laughs> this interruption is brought to you by Unpublished. Do you want to know more about the members and Book Interrupted? Go behind the scenes? Visit our website at www bookinterrupted.com book interrupted do you know when you're in your house and you're busy and you're getting ready to go to work or whatever you're getting ready to go to the house and you're trying on clothes or whatever you can't figure it out so you hang up or at the end of the day you hang up your clothes and you have your favorite like chair somewhere that you don't hang up your clothes you just leave them because you're like well they're not dirty enough to put in the the wash bin, like to be washed, uh, the laundry bin, but they're also not clean enough that you want to put them back in your closet or your drawer, so you just leave them. Well, I've been kind of busy recently, and the pile, I'm so embarrassed to admit this, is high, almost higher than my head. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous, and I know that I have to put these clothes away or wash them or do something with them, but then it's just so daunting because there's so many damn clothes on in the pile. And I'm like, oh, it's going to take me so long. And then I start, maybe I'll just grab something. And then the worst bit is, is that, well, I without the worst, but then the stuff on the bottom is now wrinkled. So then really I just have to either wash them or iron them or steam them. Or, Anyways, I know this is not the biggest problem in the world right now, but I really got to do it. I know. Maybe today. Maybe I'll do it. We'll see. Book Interrupted. It's book report time. We're going to find out from each member their final thoughts. And do they recommend the book? Let's listen. So, talking to strangers, final book report. I think I already said this in my other personal journal. 
I just really love Malcolm Gladwell. I've read so many of his books. It's funny though, too, when you're talking to other people, I was telling people about this book. And then it's really difficult to describe all the ways he proves his point because he's basically proving something that we would assume the opposite. So like you're going through and you're throwing out little tidbits of information and then eventually you say, which I did say, is, oh, you have to just read the book. And that's with every book I've ever read of Malcolm Gladwell. A couple of things I just wanted to talk about in this final book report that I just really found interesting and I didn't mention before because it's the end of the book is the whole coupling thing. I find it very interesting that all this research was done and then the police took what they wanted and decided it meant arresting everybody they could possibly arrest for every little tiny thing. He mentions it as a needle in a haystack because what they said was the coupling is targeting one street out of the 100 streets in a district of where they found most of the crime. You know, it's 3% of your territory is where most of the crime happens. So then put as many police officers as you can in that area and then stop people for everything. But what they did was they made them go to just places where there's no crime and do the same thing. And it's just, well, it's just harassment is what it is. Like that guy playing basketball and was just resting in his car. Anyway, that all that's infuriating. I think we all find that really infuriating. But I found the coupling thing really interesting. One of the things he said, which I really liked, if I can find it. The first question is, did he do the right thing? But the second question is, just as important, was he in the right place? Which I just love that. Because I don't think life is that simple. And I just love that he really, well, as usual, he breaks it down. So that method of stopping people as much as you can for places that have extreme crime or people being shot like crazy. Yes, stop them wherever you can and get the guns. But a quiet university street where there's no crime, why do you have to pull someone out of their car? Like, doesn't make any sense. And the fact that he was just following his training is even more infuriating. But I love how he finally gets to that point at the end. And you may or may not agree with everything I'm saying until you read the book, because that's the beauty of Malcolm Gladwell, that he starts with what he's going to prove, and you think, huh, I wonder how he's going to prove that. And then he goes into things that you, makes you feel very uncomfortable, like the whole drinking thing I mentioned in my last one. But then he gets to the very end, even like the suicide thing. It was very uncomfortable. But that's also interesting. Like, it's coupling there too it's that suicide rates are higher where people it's easier for them to commit suicide so you know maybe we look at that you know not just mental health like clearly still mental health helping people that are feeling sad but people won't actually commit suicide if it's not easy to do so i thought that was really interesting but also extremely uncomfortable to read about but i think malcolm does that a lot he takes all the things that you're like, oh, that's not what I, how I thought the world works, and flips it on his head and in the most interesting and knowledge-based ways. So anyway, I enjoyed the book so much, as I usually do, and I'm glad I suggested it for our podcast. I was saying in my last uh, personal journal that I didn't have the words yet for Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. And I thought by this point, because I am now done the book, 
that I would have my words and yet I still don't. It's just, I'm still processing all the information and just how new and different his, like the author's ideas are. Whatever led him to want to explore this and I'm so thankful that he did because what a fascinating topic around how we interact with each other, how we think we know people, how we think we have such a great grasp on understanding them and getting to the same place of meaning making that strangers do and we so don't. We absolutely do not. Conceptually, I'm quite hooked on uh, he brings it up in the last segment of the book, this idea of coupling, how context and people are such an integral part of one's experience, one's choices. He used suicide as one of the examples to explore this idea of coupling. And my mind is blown. So many others who Malcolm references in the book about seeing like what different people think about adding a net on, I think it was the Golden Gate Bridge he used as an example, but a very popular bridge that people choose to jump off of and commit suicide. And there's these different interviews of people being polled about like what they think about that. So many people are opposed to the net because they hold the belief that, well, if an individual is ready to commit suicide, of course, it doesn't matter the location, if that's the place they've selected, and let's say that there's a net there now that would catch them should they jump off a bridge, that they'll just go and find another place to commit the act. And I'm one of those people that he interviewed and pulled. Like, not really, I'm not. But I share the same sort of beliefs. I'm like, well, I mean, if that's what the person wants to do, they're, they're in a bad place. They are obviously gonna go through with and find just another means to do it. And this is not the case, folks. It is not the case. You need to explore this concept of coupling because it's boggling my mind. He also explores like inner city crime and different neighborhoods and how uh, he came to discover in interviewing like different criminologists and police officers, their experience through it and thinking that, oh, it's a certain kind of person or, you know, this is the bad neighborhood, but then finding through further investigation that it's actually just like this one block. Oh my gosh, it is just so, I think I'll be thinking about this book for like weeks and weeks and weeks as some of the information starts to sink lower and lower and deeper and deeper into me because right now it's just a big jumbled mess of like fascinating ideas and they're so glittery and shiny but it's all like confusing it's not sorted and categorized into like deeper learning it was so enjoyable to listen to this book. I actually listened to it twice, not just because I enjoyed it so much, but because I was hoping it would assist me in really, I guess, memorizing or just having a better understanding of all the cool things that Malcolm raised in this book. I cannot recommend this book enough. It is just such a fresh writing style, I would say, to anything that I have read before. I find the man completely and totally fascinating. He is so brilliant. And I love that he explores like out of the box 
I don't see him as someone who just necessarily gravitates towards something that is trendy and thinks, oh, maybe I'll write about that because it's so on trend and it will be popular. He just seems to really follow what is of interest to him, who cares what other people think. And yeah, he's got that recipe just right because it works. He's just well, I just keep saying it on repeat. He's just such a different type of mind than from individuals who I am used to being around. The way that his mind works kind of reminds me of Meredith, actually. I thoroughly enjoy the way that Meredith can see connections between seemingly unconnected ideas, things, concepts. Uh, so yeah, it just it feels like such a balance when I indulge in Malcolm Gladwell's work to the way that I think and operate and behave just seems like such a compliment to bring in all the gorgeous nuggets that he has within him, all of his research. I loved it. I'm seriously considering listening to the book a third time. It was that good, folks. All right. Take care. Check it out. Meredith here. Okay, I'm done talking to strangers. And I'd say overall, I really liked the book. I mean, it's Malcolm Gladwell. How could you not like the book? He's a fantastic writer and he's got some interesting insights. I think that reading this book after the What Happened to You book cycle kind of skewed my view of it a little bit. And I think if you listen to the podcast, you may recall back in, I think it was episode four of What Happened to You, we were saying how the book kind of seemed to almost lack a little empathy <laughs> for the reader in a way. It seemed a little bit cold how it talked about the issues of trauma. And I think that feeling translated into when I was reading Talking to Strangers, where it also seemed a little bit cold. I think that's part of the style of Malcolm Gladwell. He's trying to stand back and do an analysis of what the facts are. And so that can happen, I think. You know, explaining how something happened and taking away the emotional element out of it. It also made me think about how I interpreted the first book as well. This seems like I'm talking a lot about what happened to you, but again, because we just did the book and it's really still weighing heavy on my mind and my heart right now. But Malcolm Gladwell's book in some ways is very similar because the question of what happened to you is trying to look at somebody not as there's something wrong with them or whatever, trying to understand a person. And talking to strangers shows us how our assumptions about people aren't always correct. And so it's kind of the same idea, but from a different angle. And talking to strangers is more about your biases and your ability to interpret somebody's truthfulness or I guess whether they're being transparent or not and I realized that when I read the first book or when I read any book I think the authors have the best intentions and they're trying to help people etc etc and that's just my default to truth that Malcolm Gladwell is talking about where I just assume the best of everybody and the best of every author and best of every book anyway I guess when I look back at my previous personal journals and my previous comments on any of our books, they all are based on that. You know, I, I default to truth and I realize I do that all the time. I mean, I don't know if I want to change it about myself. I feel optimistic. It helps me emotionally navigate the world when I feel that, you know, everybody's just trying their best. I know that not everybody is, but rather than being suspicious of everybody, 
which is also covered in Talking to Strangers. So uh, overall, I really like the book. I would recommend it. I think I would have preferred to read it not right after a book about trauma, because again, I'm feeling still very raw and uh, affected by the first book. And I found some of the stories in Talking to Strangers difficult to read as well. And I'm not sure if I would have that same experience if I had read something lighter right before. Do I recommend the book? I do. I do recommend the book. Maybe not if you're going through some <laughs> tough times emotionally where you're looking at past trauma. <laughs> uh, but Malcolm Gladwell, I mean, you can't go wrong. So I liked it. You know, he kind of changes your perspective by looking at these things that you maybe take for granted. That's it. And looking forward to the next book, which is mine. Hi, um, this is my book report. Overall, I would definitely recommend this book. I didn't read as much physical, like paper reading as I would have liked, but I got sucked into his delightful audiobook done up like a podcast and it is fantastic. Couple things about the book I found surprising is how, um, I guess I don't know what I my preconceived notions were, but it was, it was harder to listen to, I guess in my case, than I thought it would be. Just the topics were super heavy and sad. And especially for me and my body, when I'm listening to it and you can hear real actual audio from some of these court cases or interviews, etc. Who it really it really strings at my like emotional heart. So there was lots of good learning there and lots of oh, it was just heavy stuff. So I didn't expect that, but so much more impactful maybe that way. Yeah, just a real thought provoker on everything. And I love how he does the like. They just learned about the term callback, I believe, or loopback. It's like a drama term for like he brings it back in the end. And I thought that was so. That's such a great, he's such a great writer. And then as an audiobook, he includes his music and his voice is just a real soother. Not soother, but soothing. Um, it really soothed me like a soother would. Anyways, I think it's great. I, it's a great book, great book choice. I would recommend it. It makes me want to read the other Gladwell books that I've never read. So I think I might try reading Outliers. I'm not sure. I've heard a lot of good things about Tipping Point and Blink, but I'm really thinking about Outliers. So I might do that. Uh, so we might have another Gladwell book choice in the future. Gosh, I wish I had more to say on it. As per usual, I'm just like, I like it. But um, it was such an easy listen. I don't think I'm going to continue to do, I don't, I'll try and not do that again, actually. I think it's too much. I've never done a hundred percent, uh, audiobook for these reads. And I think maybe I had a magic solution going with partial audio, partially read for me because of my brain. Sometimes I need to hear or read things a couple times to take it in. So maybe that's why the audiobooks work so well as a teammate for the book, because I'm left with a little less remembering because I was probably multitasking for a lot of the listening. Whereas the book really, you got to step right into hard to multitask, hard to do dishes and read, but I'm sure someone can. So I won't do that again. I'm going to go back to the 
the power couple of audiobook with book. It's an expensive choice, but it's my choice. Anyways, catch you on the next one. Bye. This is take two of my book report because my first one was like nine minutes long and I feel like that might be too long for this medium that we're presenting these opinions in. I don't want to glory hog or steal someone else's time or make our show go too long, whatever, whatever. So I will try to be efficient in this assessment. I do think that Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers was a fairly interesting read. Like I enjoyed reading it. I liked the stories and I was familiar with some of the content. So that was kind of cool. But I do feel like there was a lot the whole time I was reading it. I was like, okay, I get what you're saying. But I felt he was also like purposely ignoring major pieces of information that are so relevant to his argument and I feel like he was ignoring those major pieces of information in order to make his argument more sound and so that didn't really sit well with me even straight from the default to truth like I'm looking forward to the group discussion because I have quite a bit to say about that I'm not sure I do default to truth Anyway, I'm interested in talking about that, but the two parts that like stood out for me that I didn't really feel okay with was the Brock Turner one. And I'm not sure if that's even his name because I can't find it back in the book and I should have, I should have double checked after take one, but I just got right into take two. So I think his name is Brock Turner. He is the one who was sexually assaulting that girl in university. And I feel like Gladwell is basically arguing that neither of them are to blame or both of them are to blame or some kind of equality in the situation that I just don't think is there. And in that case, I feel like he's ignoring, you know, the impact of patriarchy on women or something like that. And then the second example that I also didn't feel was kind of like the whole story being represented was with the Sandra Bland situation and there's not a lot of attention paid to race and like race relations and racial history and again oppression and so when he's dissecting that incident through the lens of his argument he necessarily ignores a lot of I think pertinent information that more explains the how something like that could go that wrong than just these like random blind spots that we as humans have so I didn't like either of that and like I said I'm looking forward to the group discussion because I do have a lot to say about this book I want to talk about it with other people so would I recommend it I would recommend it so that I could talk about it with other people (laughs) because I want them to help me put my finger on exactly what it is that's not sitting right with me about this or maybe to educate me in how he has acknowledged these things that I think are worthy of acknowledgement that I also think he's ignored. But I really, at this moment, do feel like he left out some really important pieces of, quote unquote, the story when he is retelling these stories so that he can justify, you know, his argument about how we all default to truth or assume transparency or whatever. I disagree in specifically the Brock Turner case, but yeah, Sandra Bland too. Like I will re-dissect that and get it right.
Gladwell. Anyway, so yes, I would recommend someone read it so we could talk about it, but I'm not necessarily recommending people read it because I fully support the argument because I'm a little bit skeptical of the argument. I feel like I keep on repeating myself, but I really feel like it's missing some key pieces of information that kind of affect the soundness of what Gladwell's trying to say. So anyway, I guess I recommend it with caution. All right. Well, that's it. All right. So I finished... Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell, and I read it actually very fast. Well, not super fast, but but a decent pace, and uh, I really liked it. We'll get into that later. First of all, I want to talk about I had referenced this story in my second personal journal about there's that he starts with a story and finishes with a story about this one woman. So I'd like to talk a bit about that first. Her name is Sandra Bland. Uh, she's a black woman. And she was pulled over by a white police officer in the States. And he kind of builds up the story because he talks about how the police have developed these policies over years of doing these experiments in which this one uh, group of police officers pulled over people in a high crime area coupled with that specific area. And then they would, for kind of stupid things or things that aren't big infractions, in order to look for worse things, to look for drugs, to look for uh, guns, all of those things. And they had a high success rate. So all of these places around the states, police stations, decided to take on these ideas that, oh, well, if we just pull over all these people or as many people as we can with little infractions, then when we get there, we can judge people. And as we've already seen throughout the book, it's difficult to tell whether a stranger is truth or lying and how would they really know if somebody really is a criminal or not and all of this stuff. And especially if it's not high crime areas. And unfortunately, it's a disproportionate amount of people of color that are pulled over versus white people. And so basically, these police officers are being taught not to default to truth, but to default to suspecting people to thinking that they're bad all of the time. And, you know, of course, this is causing a whole lot of problems. And so I just want to read a bit from the book. So spoiler alert to anyone who who hasn't read the book and just mute me or something or I don't know, plug your ears, (laughs) start yelling or sing a song. (laughs) Okay. This book has been a book about a conundrum. We have no choice but to talk to strangers, especially in our modern borderless world. We aren't living in villages anymore. Police officers have to stop people they do not know. Intelligence officers have to deal with deception and uncertainty. Young people want to go to parties explicitly to meet strangers. That's part of the thrill of the romantic discovery. Yet at this most necessary of tasks, we are inept. We think we can transform the stranger without cost or sacrifice into the familiar and the known. And we can't. What should we do? We could start by no longer penalizing one another for defaulting to truth. And he does some specific examples. And then he says, To assume the best about another is the trait that has created modern society. Those occasions when our trusting nature gets violated are tragic. But the alternative to abandon trust as a defense against predation and deception is worse. That whole passage really made me think, I mean, he really built this up, this idea. And there's references to the people that lived with always thinking that people were out to get them or deceiving. And those people might have caught 
the one person that's bad. But can you imagine living your life that way? And I don't want to. I want to think people are good. I want to trust people. I want to continue to do that. I thought this book really gave me a lot of things to think about. There's so many things. I can't even talk about them anymore. There's so many things that are in the back of my head as I talk about it that I could reference. But I think you should just read the book is basically what I'm saying. Read the book and uh, learn about this and, and think about it and ponder it. And, you know, I, you know what? I'm going to give you one last little thing to ponder because I thought this was the very last sentence, the two sentences of the book. Because we do not know how to talk to strangers, what do we do when things go awry with strangers? We blame the stranger. <laughs> also interesting food for thought. Highly recommend the book, obviously, and loved it. That's about it. That wraps it up. So thank you very much. See you next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Book Interrupted. If you'd like to see the video highlights from this episode, please go to our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe and you'll be notified when there's new content. Want to be part of the conversation? Have your voice heard on our fan episode next week. Or recommend a book and you could be joining us for a six-week book cycle. Find out more by going to www.bookinterrupted.com fans. Are you interested in buying this book? Do you want to order the next book so you can read along? Go to www.bookinterrupted.com shop to see a complete list of our books. And if you haven't tried them yet, our affiliate partners, The Bookshop and Libro.fm, both help support your local bookstore where available. Thanks for taking the time to check in and connect. We'll see you next time on Book Interrupted. Moments you can look forward to on next week's Book Interrupted. <laughs> can you send this to Oprah for me? Poor empathy guy. I was able to manifest uh, two incredible things to come into my life as a result of your reading. I seriously can't believe it. I have a shirt. Crocodile is going to be a crocodile, even if they're a tame one. One giant minor chord oh, that gross. makes you, oh, I love it. <laughs> Not just a minute. I didn't Kim even has do totally that. Amazing chords, <laughs> I don't know what maybe. happened to my impulse control. Book interrupted. Never forget, every child matters.